Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. I'm Laird. And I'm Becky. I wanted to be the first to welcome you to 2020. Shut up. <laughs> Get out. Walk out the door. No. Was I the first one to, to do so? <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. Just wanted to make sure that you were proudly welcomed <laughs> to this new year. No. In, in every way, shape, and form that you deserve is that you have earned that welcome. Oh, oh thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you, you think so. Well, well. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try. It's, it's, you don't try, you do. It's it's something I work on. I wake up in the morning and go, you know what? This will this this will this will feed the persona that is left. How long have you been holding on to that? Uh, six months. <laughs> Since that day that you said I cannot wait until people stop saying 2020 and they just say 2020. So <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> That's what makes it you're such an asshole. It's not that you do it, it's that you you think about it and you hold on to it and you plan for it and then you do it. It's like you wake up in the morning, how can I torture Becky? Oh, you haven't yeah. done that in a while. Yeah, you know, I I guess I go through life wondering how I could torture lots of people. So. Well, fair enough. Oh, what do you got? Uh well the first thing is this is episode 16 i believe of season three tis and somebody brought up a question that i don't know that we've ever really addressed here on this podcast maybe we have and i just forgetting which is possible because i do that these days and i partly blame that on my kids partly blame that on old age getting older oh. uh, <laughs> uh, but who who is the audience for this podcast who is the audience for this podcast? Right. Is that your question to me? Yeah. Well, that was the question posed on LinkedIn uh, in this last, what was the last week, I think it was. Really? I didn't see this question. I think it was on my post on LinkedIn, not yours. Okay. Um, but that, that was the question, is who is this podcast for? You know what? I, I, I think it's for the, it, it's a love letter to the insurance industry. Yeah. I think that's what it is. We cover a lot of topics. Yeah. We, we cover from vendors to agencies to carriers. And I, I think that, first of all, a lot of podcasts that just focus on one topic get real boring really quickly. Yeah. You hear the same themes. You, you hear it. And I really hate whenever we're doing the show and I'm like, we've already talked about this. Why am I restating this? Everybody's already heard this. So why? they may have missed that previous episode. I, I know, but the, you know, my, my take is they should be listening to every damn episode. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm and not, if you're I'm not, not listening to every episode, then 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 why are you here now? Um, but w- where I'm really going with that is, and I would love to hear your your take on what this is, is that we 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 have the varied topics and we we come at it from a different point of view than a lot of people in this industry mm. and also um you, you know surprisingly for our positions we're also very kind of honest you know we're we're honest with our takes on these things and you know people have asked you know you guys swear on this up on, on these shows and fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> earmuffs you gotta go to earmuffs before it. but uh I'm, I'm sorry here here's your 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 warning there are kids listening to this episode <laughs> to this show maybe don't let them listen to this show so what what well, you know did you reply to that comment i have not yet my 
because I wanted to talk about here and then I was going to go back and say short answer, long answer, listen to this podcast, this next episode. Uh, but my, Too my, long, didn't listen. So we have a new one, TLDL. <laughs> but my, uh, my initial reaction is, well, it depends on the episode, right? I mean, I think, I think anybody in this industry can listen to this podcast and get something from every episode. But I think the topics, because they vary so widely, the audience really kind of varies per episode. Correct. And, you know, I, I, but I think that that's a good thing. I think people should listen to an episode that doesn't no, apply like to them. I like it. Because it forces them um, or forces their their earbuds <laughs> to um, – forces them to actually listen to other points of view. Mm. And I'm always – I always like a good argument. I, I love – I love going back and forth and I am not one of the people that if I hear an argument that I disagree with, I, I get butt hurt. Mm. I, I'm not one of those people. I don't think you are either. I try. I mean, it depends on the topic. I, I, I will, you know, say that, but, but um, you know, I, I think that this should be a healthy dialogue of, of what's wrong and what's right in the industry. Um, you, you know, Joey's, podcast that he does where he calls up agencies and you know does the the thing it's it's entertaining and you hear a lot of different things but also it kind of always follows a very similar theme sometimes yeah but what's what's interesting and what i like about his his structure of his podcast because he's been a little silent lately and joey please come back on the air because I, i need your podcast um but it's getting down into individual agencies mm-hmm. and what individual agencies are doing. And, and that can differ agency to agency. You know, there's a common saying around the industry is you've seen one agency, you've seen one agency, yeah, which is not necessarily true, but it's true enough that his conversations with all these agents can vary greatly. Yeah. And they're, and the questions he's asking them and, and their discussion is different. And I enjoy that. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I see in a lot of podcasts is they walk in with an agenda. Yes. And a lot of times the entire podcast is that agenda. Yeah. And we've never... What's I mean, our agenda, Laird? <laughs> <laughs> to, to blow off 30 minutes on a Friday <laughs> drinking, talking about what we usually just talk about for free. Um. But they, they walk in with an agenda. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guests, I mean, we haven't had a lot of guests, granted. Um, we've had... One or two a season, usually. Yeah, but we've had guests that have focused on marketing, mm-hmm. that they understand a, a segment of marketing. We talk about something. I mean, we had that... Uh, the lemonade episode where we were talking, we were talking about SEO and lemonade and how, uh, mm-hmm. who, who did the album, uh, the, the lemonade album, Beyonce, Beyonce, how Beyonce was, um, you know, drinking lemonades, Kool-Aid mm-hmm. is, you know, they, they took over lemonades SEO ranking. It was a really fun episode because you heard this tif- different point of view. We've had other vendors Yep. That I could possibly say, you know, are competitive in some way mm-hmm. on the show. Um, and, and we're Carrier. like, you can't talk about your product. Like, we're not talking about your product. We're right. talking just about the industry. We've had a carrier. Mm-hmm. We've had agents. Yep. Um, we've had, you know, just a, a broad breadth of, of guests. But it's always like, don't bring your agenda. Right. 
This is just a conversation in front of mics. Yeah. And, you know, having, you know, granted, uh, Justin and Paul get along, but, you know, there, there was a little bit of back and forth when we had on the, the season two closer. That was with, an interesting episode. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we had a nice back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, but a lot of times the reason why I think we, we do have problems getting guests to join the show is they want uh, to bring their agenda. They want to bring their agenda. And that's, that's an absolute hard. No, I mean, it, 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 you guys would not be listening to the show if that's if, what it was. If, yeah. if I was just blasting about ITC all the time. Now we've had one episode where, you know, we talked about <laughs> work. Yeah. Where, where we actually said, but I felt really proud about what we did with, with that product. I felt that it was important that the industry saw it and we were getting massive um, feedback from, the industry from agencies from carriers going this is great yeah you you need to so it was it was something we 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 felt that was newsworthy right to actually bring to the table but uh yeah and um that that's an interesting question is that i i want the, the real question is are they a regular listener or do they just see it and go well what the heck is this podcast um i don't know i i, I don't know that they're a regular listener okay so It'll, it'll be interesting to see if we can convert them into a regular listener. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> give, uh, re- respond to Becky's response to your, your question and, and say, did we, did we wean you onto the, uh, the bright side? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So I've had, moving on to the main topic for today, uh, I've had this article for about a month now that Daniel Schreiber, the CEO and co-founder of Lemonade, published on Insurance Thought Leadership about AI. And I thought it would be interesting because his take, I, uh, I think, is interesting. But also, we haven't talked a lot about AI on the podcast. We've mentioned it, right? But we haven't really discussed it very deeply. And, and someone, so one of the hosts of the show might have a very strong opinion about AI. Yeah, <laughs> never. <laughs> so the, the article is titled, How AI Can Vanquish Bias. Okay. Okay. So he, he starts off arguing that credit scores, which are largely used in the industry with some exceptions, mm-hmm. are actually highly predictive of race. Yeah. Because, do you, do you know why? Uh, it's it's something that I've always said is that um, y- you know there there's a there's a race component to opportunity, right? Because people of color have been disproportionately targeted for um, predatory loans, mm-hmm. things like that, that tend to lead to higher delinquency and default rates, which affect your credit score. Correct. So while it's not asking race, using that score as a proxy. Mm-hmm. for that and that's a problem yep. which is why some states like california mm-hmm. don't use credit score yep so his argument he's he's he acknowledges that there are a lot of naysayers about using ai to price insurance mm-hmm. because people fear and he calls it a black box system will make matters worse because they'll produce the kind of proxies for race that credit scores do, but without giving us the ability to scrutinize and regulate them. Do you see that as a fear in the industry? Yeah, well, it, it, it's been proven time and time again that it's the old adage of, you know, shit in, shit out um, when it comes to data. And, um, you know, whenever 
there there has been uh, multiple articles where bias has been introduced based upon how the AI was set up. Mm. But generally, whenever all the data starts flowing in, AI regulates uh, itself. It will sit there and it will it will just say what the numbers say. And right. and you know. <sighs> First of all, I, I want to talk about what AI is. Okay. Is that what he is talking about is not artificial intelligence. What is he talking okay. about? He's talking about uh, programmatic um, um, equations. Okay. What it does is it's, it's looking for trends. And it's, it's just analyzing trends over time. A true AI tries something and fails. So, um, you, you know, you give a kid a toy that you don't tell the kid how to use it, and they have trial and error until they understand that toy. Mm-hmm. What he's talking about is having a neural net that is trying all different permutations of connecting data. Mm-hmm. And, you know, true neural nets are about try fail it's it's um risk um punishment that's exactly it's it's success and punishment you succeed you don't get punished you you fail you get punished and then you go relearn and that that's how humans learn that's 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 what artificial intelligence is what a lot of this is is taking an algorithm and finding all the little data points and then having a computer go, okay, there's a correlation, there's a connection here mm-hmm. that I've seen by running this permutation one trillion times. That it's able to look at, uh, you know, comp- say this one data point affects that one data point. And I was able to do that by looking at, thir- you know, trillions of different combinations until I got this answer. And so that's just kind of using computational power to prove to to prove a solution right and it, it's looking for you know correlation of data um you know so I, I think it's a misnomer that he put forth that this is artificial intelligence this is really just computational supremacy is there a difference between machine learning and ai um machine learning is could be considered ai um but also kind of um equational um computational um performance is because what it does is it's sitting there looking and going okay well maybe if i throw in this variable or remove this variable so it's it's doing an equation then it sees where that goes and so it learns over time but what it is is it's using machines computational power mm-hmm. to actually solve a problem that a human would not be able to look at trillions of data sets and then correlate everything in between and so but the answer, but but the risk is, is that, and they found Microsoft found this. I believe IBM also found this, is that they found bias in their algorithms, and um, the it, because of the way that they were programmed, you know, um, the, the the because there's humans programming programming the front end. Of it, yes, mm-hmm. and you know, a true AI, it's you give them the toy. And then they figure it out. They figure it out. They and uh, you know we 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 did have one episode and, and we can relink it again. Is watching artificial intelligence learn how to play Mario for the first? Oh right, yeah. It just jumps up and down. It goes left and right. It figures out, and then it runs into you know the turtle and dies. And it goes, well, I was punished. And then so it starts building that, and it has to go through hundreds of thousands of permutations to figure out, and then all of a sudden, it's acing it. And then they give it new levels, and then all of a sudden, it starts acing the levels because it's actually programmed what it does in each instance. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it's, it's again, like a human, 
if you know that that stove is glowing red i've touched that in the past <laughs> don't touch it again and i know what happens whenever i touch right. it and then you do it so th- that's where bias gets put in here but i also think that <clears throat> well he he acknowledges that towards the end of the, end of the article okay. that that uh let me see if i can find it because I, I thought it was, i like the way he said it even though machines do not have inherent biases they can inherit biases correct okay yeah. But he's saying they can learn and correct that. I, I know, but they, but there's also – They the can other, overcome the biases. The, there's, but the bias might be real. Mm-hmm. Are men worse drivers than women? Well, can we, can we continue through the oh, article? Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I didn't read this article, but I, I guess I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the path here. So co- continue. Yeah. Well, let, me, let me get you back into <laughs> between the lines here. Okay. So – problems that arise while using five factors because the biggest concern is that adding machine learning ai computation whatever you want to call it i I know what you want to call it but um he's referring to it as ai adding machine learning and big data to the to pricing insurance people are concerned that it's going to make it even worse right Mm -hmm. whereas he's arguing that problems that arise while using five factors aren't multiplied by millions of bits of data they're divided by it. Okay. So he think about the process of using data to segment people into groups in three phases. Phase one, everybody is treated the same, mm-hmm. which does not discriminate based on anything because everybody's treated the same. But it's also illegal. Yes. Because the law says you have to price the insurance at a rate that is proportionate to that person's risk. Correct. Which took us to phase two. Yep. You ha- we have pop- divided the population into subgroups according to their risk file. It's data-driven and impartial, but the data is basic. So the groupings are crude. Mm-hmm. And this creates two big problems. The first, that the groups may serve as proxies that affect protected classes. And the second is that even if the groups don't represent protected classes, the responsible members of the group are still made to pay more per unit of risk than their less responsible. Correct. Other members. Yep. So basically the argument, the the example is low risk men are penalized with the same brush as men who are worse drivers. Correct. Because that's a generalization. Yep. By large groupings, yes, men are worse drivers than women. But is that true for every individual? Nope. No. No. So that brings us to phase three, where AI comes in. Uh-huh. So he says that this continues where phase two ends, breaking monolithic groups into subgroups. Phase three does this on a massive scale, using orders of magnitude more data, which machine learning crunches to produce very complex multivariate risk scores. Basically, you're shrinking the course groupings into what is ultimately a group of one. AI can't do that. You don't think so? No. Why not? Because 43-year-old male living in Dallas, two people side by side, two houses next door to each other. And you have one that, and they both drive a Tesla. One is a, a, a mega miler that uh, tries to get as many miles out of his Tesla as possible. The other guy is using ludicrous mode all the time. 
Okay. None of them have a ticket. None of them have an accident. What's the differentiator there? They have the same car, they're the same age, they're the same, you know, age, race, sex, everything. They're all the same. What data element is available to them? Well, because they're Tesla a lot. Well, hold on. <laughs> but, um, but I'm saying, because I use Tesla for, for the reason you just brought up, is that while these two, you cannot use AI learning to get down to that person because there's not the factors that actually show truly how that person drives. Now, add in connected vehicles. And where, you know, UBI mm-hmm. add into that, yes, you can get down to a, a score of one. But I think UBI is actually the answer to the bias of any type of algorithm because you are now doing it how they drive. When they drive, how often they drive, how they, uh, they accelerate quickly, they brake, they drive late at night, they drive in traffic, they drive in high areas. But you don't need a complex machine learning driven algorithm to figure that out. You you know that 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 takes the data points and that takes the human part of that completely out and you actually see how that person drives and works and mm-hmm. all that. And you know if you look at like sports scores and all that, you're not looking at their their race or how they grew up or anything like that. You're looking at their stats and how they perform on the field. And this is the exact same thing is that that's where we get to the actual rate of one, as he likes to say, a rate of one by looking at their actual, hey, how do you drive? Mm-hmm. So, so assuming, you know, phase three can happen, mm-hmm. how do we make sure the algorithm is working the way it should and not discriminating you know because he has his argument i want to hear if you have thoughts on that well i I think that if if the algorithm is truly discriminating but you've gotten it down to a, a person of one then it's not discriminating. It's it's truly reflective of that person's risk profile. That, that that's true, but you're also but how do you how do you make sure that it's doing that on average, right? Because you're still going to have averages for groups and subgroups. Uh, well, I'm not, but he said the rate of one. That's the thing. Is that you get down to one, then then we're you know 500 million one groups that are in there. So I, I think that you know he. True phase three is not possible to actually still do it in a environment of a regulatory environment like insurance. And I think that's what he's kind of getting at is that you can't file 500 million different rates based upon the person. Right. And, um, uh, uh, you know, where you list their pro- risk profile. Now, you know, some states like Massachusetts actually already does this fairly well as they have the um, SDIP score, mm-hmm. which is uh, effectively a score of your driving record. And, you know, it's, it's maintained by the state you know uh insurance is tied to it and they go hey you, you've got a score of 90 80 whatever and then they price based upon their actual perceived risk in the market how many accidents how many tickets and all that now to really go down and, and answer your question i think that you have to look at the once you find these subgroups and he talks about groupings and then subgroupings is that there's got to be some kind of final level let's say a hundred then you're going to have to go through each of those hundred and understand exactly 
what it what it you know it, what what that data is saying and what it's trying to exclude and exclude include in its analysis of that risk and then if it's something that is biased then you have to it, it takes a human factor to actually unbias that out but also again i go back to the computer is unbiased. If you truly put the data in and it was unbiased putting the data into it, then the algorithm is going to come up with the answer. One plus one equals two. Um, but again, I, I think it's a, a lesson of problem. What does he say? Because uh, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's a problematic lesson whenever you think about the world of insurance, because then you've got to start doing rating factors. What is this one little factor? If we see this factor, then then do this. But this is what we're doing already. If you, you know, it, it does say there's a high correlation of um, credit of how, you know, I've always said that credit's a horrible thing because I got great credit, but I'm a horrible driver. Right. Um, and it doesn't tell you anything about truly how I drive. But, you know, you're right that someone with a lower credit score could be really good. But there's a lot of people, a lot of carriers that don't factor that in into their rating. Right. So what does he say? So he says the way we can audit algorithms to ensure it's living up to what it should be doing is by their outcomes. So he gives an example. Well, I mean, this is essentially what she said. He gives yeah. an example. Let's say that I am Jewish. He is. And that part of my tradition involves lighting a bunch of candles throughout the year, which it does. In our home, we light candles every Friday night and every holiday eve, and we'll burn through about 200 candles over the eight nights of Hanukkah. It would not be surprising if I and others like me represented a higher risk of fire than the national average. So if the AI charges Jews on average more than non-Jews for fire insurance, is that unfairly discriminatory? He says it depends. I was gonna. I was gonna say they have a higher risk. I mean, it, you know, you play with fire, you're 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 increasing your risk. Right. Your house is never going to burn down if there's never anything that will spark a fire in it. Right. It would definitely be a problem if being Jewish resulted in higher premiums, whether or not you were the candle kind, lighting kind of Jew. Not all Jews are avid candle lighters, and an algorithm that treats all Jews like the average do would be despicable. That's a phase two. That's what happens in phase two. Yeah. But the algorithm in phase three identifies people's proclivity for candle lighting. He doesn't say how it identifies it. I assume there is some question. Okay, but that's 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 assuming you get every flipping factor. This is going to UBI. Okay, yes. this is saying what I'm saying. Okay. And charges them more for the risk that is this pension actually represents. That is entirely fair. Um, the fact that such a fondness for candles is unevenly distributed in the population and more highly concentrated among Jews means that on average, Jews will pay more. But it does not mean that people are being charged more for being Jewish. And this is, this is a distinction that, that he tries to articulate another way. All cows have four legs, but not all things with four legs are cows. Not all cows have four legs. Have you seen a three-legged cow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen a three-legged dog? Yes. Two-legged dog? They, they were probably born with all four, maybe. Oh, okay. Right. But, all right. All right. But he, he even has a nice little image. <laughs> cow does not equal chair. Like, okay. a chair is not a cow because it has four legs. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's it's a, it's a small distinction, but it's an important one yep. I think to make. Yep. So, how do you determine what the outcome is? He says differential loss ratios. <laughs> so adding yet, yet another yet, yet another level of that. Okay. But simply put, if certain groups have a lower loss ratio than the population at large, that would signal they are being treated unfairly. Their rates are too high relative to the payout they are receiving. Okay. But again, it's putting them in massive buckets. Oh, well, 
but you're looking at the outcomes to make sure the algorithm is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, it, it's but it's massive buckets. But also, I, I think that the, there's a little bit of that going it's after on. the fact. Though. Yeah, but that's the discounting that you see, like you know, Allstate having the discount and you know, paying back is Lemonade paying people back for not having claims. No, they're not. <laughs> but it's it, you know, are they rewarding people for not having claims over a certain amount of time? No, they're not. Yeah, I bet you their rate has done nothing but go up. Um, also, it's it's amazing that he he talks about this, but also you know, Lemonade is one of the the big ones that are you know have very simple underwriting. Not a lot of questions get asked. Right. And so it's massively bucketing people in there and um, putting, you know, putting people that are in higher risk profiles. You know, you don't know if, you know, your, your, your next door neighbor is, um, you know, on drugs and is, is stealing your lawnmower and, and doing that. That's not something that, uh, you, you know, that, that has nothing to do with you, especially when we're talking about dwelling fire, uh, renders and all that is that you have no control over that. So the other part of this is, is that it, it goes into stuff you don't even have control and then you're not even looking at the person as a whole. And that's why I've always maintained that I think AI Helps you understand these buckets, exactly mm-hmm. as I said. Helps you understand them, but you still have to underwrite to them. You still have to generalize them because it's impossible for someone to file half a billion rates for every individual in the U.S. And also then, it's still not even going to take in the fact that, you know what? You know, they were just unlucky. And we talked about this before, is that insurance is gambling for an insurance carrier. Yeah. They, you know, um, I know whenever Hurricane Harvey hit, uh, was it Harvey that Houston? Yes. Yes. Um, when Hurricane Harvey, I, I know a couple carriers that really had to dip into cat coverage. And I know a couple carriers that didn't. And they're like, you know what? Just, it was just the way it is. Our sales staff was stronger in the North Texas. Um, y- you know, it just, we had more agencies in North Texas and we had very limited losses down there. And it was lucky. Yeah. And so, again, I mean, I have been in an accident where it has been equal fault, where I was hit head on. So I don't understand how it's my fault. The guy was making a turn. Again, I don't understand how it's my fault. But we've seen this time and time again. Every insurance agent has seen where fault is equally provided, even though it's pretty clear that it's one person's fault. Yeah. And so, again, there's just one more factor on this, and this this leads to the final thing of like, you know, what is their actual loss history and what is the risk? It's I think this is a lesson in futility, and I think that AI can help bucket things, but it's not the answer. I think that the answer is finding better data elements. Yes. Well, that's that's definitely part of it, but we're we're not anywhere close, I think, to phase three. Not no. here in the U.S. Maybe in you know Europe might be a little bit more set up for something like this. Well, but- no. You, the only way you get to phase three properly is you have a, a a surveillance state that knows everything about you, and and now we're dipping into privacy. So now I need to ask an underwriting question: Are you Jewish? Uh, do you burn? What is the average number of candles you burn for Hanukkah? Uh, you know, getting the, the questions that need to be asked to actually create these biases in a lot of ways or to remove these biases are absolutely off limits from being able to be asked. Right. 
So I like I I don't think phase three is possible because you don't have a surveillance state that knows everything about you. If you if you know everything is tracked, every you know your movements are perfectly one hundred percent tracked, and your entire day, yeah, they can assign some risk. There was a, a really cool. Um, Video? Yeah, well, it's the robot. There's a robot that acts like a police person inside a mall. And this was in China or Japan. And it was machine learning. Mm -hmm. And it realized, and this is observation, this is true AI at its work, is that it realized that whenever it, it was programmed to say, hey, whenever I get knocked over or beaten up or whatever by kids or whatnot, that's a bad thing. So it started to put together algorithms that it noticed that whenever there were kids coming towards it as a group of kids with no parents, it would start moving away and it would remove itself from the situation. This is this this is re- just recently. And then they noticed whenever a kid was with a parent, it, it, it noticed this. It wasn't programmed to notice this. It noticed that whenever it was with a kid of the parent, then it would actually not – it could be friendly with the child. Mm-hmm. And then it started to realize that if it's starting to get kind of followed by a bunch of kids, go find an adult. And And that's exactly how you would learn as a kid getting beat up and bullied on a, on a playground. You would – uh, oh crap! Whenever I see a parent and you know a teacher and a couple kids together, I, I feel that that's a safe place. Right. But I see a whole bunch of kids with no parents around, where there's no oversight. I'm going to be in trouble. Right. And if that situation happens, let's go back to where the safe place is. That's machine learning, and that's that's cool to me. That that's those are the ones that I like. Th- this stuff, I just don't think applies. Yeah. Well, it's not something that the data is going to be regularly available. It's going to be something that has to be provided by the consumers. And your your point about not being able to ask questions about, you know, things around your religion is absolutely, even, even for an algorithm, mm-hmm. off the table. And, uh, you know, there, there are stereotypes that could be true about certain drivers, you know, um, some drivers uh, groups are not as good as drivers as others. And I'm not even pointing them out. It could be race. It could be sex. It could be, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, I actually see something changing in all the algorithms. And I think it's already starting to change is I think male to female is starting to normalize because of cell phones. Mm-hmm. Because of texting and driving. Cell phones, the great <laughs> equalizer. <laughs> Is that people, when they're texting and driving, they're, they're creating an inflection point for an accident. And that normalizes everybody's inflection point to have an accident. Mm. So, uh, you know, while I would love for the, you know, I, I, I have no misconceptions. Is that the world is not fair. But it's our job to make it fair. We've got to make it as fair as we can. Correct. And, and that's, that's the biggest point of this article is that phase two is still not that fair. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't – but then you know, to make phase three possible, you've got to ask questions that are, are, are honestly off limits to be able to ask. Well, in his example. Maybe there's an example we're not thinking of. But I, You start getting into like, hey, are, you, are your neighbors shady? <laughs> I don't know. I don't talk to my neighbors. 
<laughs> no, I do talk to some of my neighbors, not all of them. But uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I love talking about AI. And I love that you posed this question earlier in the episode about like, what is this, what is this podcast about? <laughs> and, you know, now we've added, you know, techno, you know, ethical technology. Um, oh, that's, that's a, that's a question that uh, not just in the industry, in the insurance industry, it's a question for the culture. Correct. Is ethics and technology. And that's a problem that a lot of technology companies that have started did not start with. Correct. They did not start with asking these questions. They started with, how can we build a product? And then the ethics started coming in years, decades later. Yeah. One of the, the best ethic thought things that is out there that just gets me every single time whenever I think about it and, and take the test and I, I take the test occasionally to see how morbid I am. <laughs> but um, MIT put out, who do you kill? The trolley problem? Yeah. The, or the uh, autonomous vehicle. Mm. is you, you same know, thing it's the yeah, problem yeah it's like the autonomous vehicle okay you kill the passengers or you kill the and they ask okay you've got a young kids in this one it's got a young kid on the crosswalk but it's an elderly person in the car who do you kill and you, you know there's never the right answer no that's that's the whole point of the philosophical question is yeah. is there is no right answer correct because somebody's going to die. Yeah, and and I, I think that that's the biggest liability that's that's facing um, manufacturers of vehicles is who you know who you got to program the I, the the car to do something. Yeah, what do you do? And, and you know, it's like okay, we're now programming the who to kill algorithm <laughs> of the of that's so weird. And I know, but um, I think most of them have really just solved it. Go and follow the law. Yeah. Is as as long as you are following the law, and you know if you don't have time to break, make sure you are following the law up to the point that you're able to break. Yeah. Um, if you know, generally the passengers that I would always err on the side of the passengers to be the ones thrown to die mm. because the um, the vehicle is if if it's. Uh, you, you know, just people walking down the street or something like that, they're, they're going to have no protection from the vehicle. But the vehicle provides some level of protection. So does, you know, uh, a bus full of people. There's a level of protection that's there. So right. I always tried to err towards that. But in the end, you've, you followed the law. I'd be, I, w- I would have loved to have been a part of those ethical conversations in the car manufacturers Well, to, um, see, to see what they were debating. That would have been a really fascinating conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about I would it. just want to know how you, uh, um, you know, uh, what the algorithm in the code is named, the, the function, <laughs> who dies, <laughs> input, uh, number of people in vehicle, number of people on the road, number of people in the bus, question mark, yeah. who dies. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, love the topic. Well. Fantastic. I thought you might enjoy it. And dear listeners, what did you think? Did you enjoy this topic? Did you agree with Lair? Do you think, or do you think AI is absolutely has a future in pricing insurance? Hit us up on Twitter. I am Becky L. Schroeder. Laird is L. Ricksford. You can tweet using the hashtag insurance happy hour. Or you can use the hashtag who does AI kill? <laughs> it's been a long time since we had a fun hashtag. Uh, you can also find us on LinkedIn. Use the hashtag there. If you're not on Twitter and subscribe in your favorite podcast app, wherever you're listening to this now, unless you're listening on a computer and then case pull out your phone and subscribe on the, on the multitude of apps that you can subscribe on. Yes. 
uh, yeah, this fantastic episode. Uh, love the topic, and as always, thanks for listening. You know the only reason that I do the show is for the bumps, right? (laughs) We live for the bumps. We should get t-shirts that say we live for the bump. (laughs) You're going to kill me over here. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Insurance happy hour swag. (laughs) 